0: We're, doing, we're in the middle of a series right now called the Holy Spirit, and normally when I preach a, a, a sermon, at the end of the sermon, I give what's called the application. And the application is like, hey, here are the action steps that we're calling or inviting you to take as a result of what you have heard. Um, that's the application. So that's the goal of the sermon. We preach the word, but we hope that it, 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 it instigates some change or some movement in people's lives. Today, I'm going to give you the application at the very beginning. So you don't have to wait till the end. And here's my application. Here's the full disclosure. Here's the goal for today's service. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been sort of on the fence, you've been thinking about it, but you haven't made that commitment with your heart. You haven't haven't asked Christ to become the Lord and Savior of your life. You haven't crossed that line. My goal for you, the application for you, is that you would believe today, that you would come to faith in Christ, and that you would say, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I believe. I'm following Jesus. My heart is open. That's the goal. I had some friends that were coming uh, for a long time, and they're good friends of mine. Uh, they're not believers, and, and at one point, they came, and they talked to me, and they said, Brent, you know, we, we love coming here. We're learning all this stuff, and great to hear all this, you know, Bible stuff and all this but we're kind of getting the feeling that you actually want us to believe the stuff that you're saying. And I was like, got me. I mean, you know, yeah. Um, that is ultimately the goal, you know, that we would be, become followers of Jesus. And the reason is not because we want to convert people to a religion. Is that some of us have entered into a relationship with the living God, and he's transformed our lives. And we want to extend that invitation to other people who are struggling and hurting and suffering so they can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, just like we're experiencing. So, so that is the goal. So if if you're here today and you're not a believer, um, just know that that's, that's my angle. Okay. Uh, if you are here today and you are a believer, you say, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian, but you have never proclaimed your faith through baptism. Um, after having become a believer, So you've, as an adult or whatever, you've never, you know, you've started following Jesus, and maybe you were baptized when you were a baby, and that's good, and that doesn't, nothing today detracts from that. But you've never, affirmatively as an adult, said, "Hey, I want to show the world that I am following Jesus." Today's your opportunity to do that. So that's my goal for you. That at the end of the service, I'm going to invite you up. We have this amazing, amazing baptism team right here. Um, They will host you and help you get situated, and you will get baptized. Now, immediately what happens in moments like this is people say, well, wait a second. A lot of, a lot of, there are a lot of, a lot of obstacles in the way. I don't have any clothes to to wear in the baptism tank. I, my hair is going to get wet. I, you know, my parents aren't here. So I, you know, I want them to be there for this. Well, here's, here's what we got for you today. We, well, first of all, we got water. Okay. So that's where we're starting. We got water. We got t-shirts. We got shorts. We got flip-flops. We've got uh, shower caps. We've got all kinds of other things that people need. You know, we've got undergarments. As Mother Ray says, we got drawers. We got your drawers here. <laughs> if you need drawers, we got drawers. We got it. Okay. We got an. All- <laughs> Sorry, Mother Ray. We got. We've got a women's dressing room right over there. We've got a men's dressing room right backstage. We've got a team that will help assist you. In other words, we we even have a photographer who will take your picture. And we will email that picture to your mom so she can see that you got baptized today. So that is the goal. Um, That is the application for you. Now, last, last application. You're here today. You're a believer. You've been baptized. My goal for you, the application for you, is that at the end of this service, that you would pray with me that God would lead you to one person in your life who needs to hear about the love of Christ in their life. Um. Just one person. Uh, it may be a person at work who's going through a divorce and is struggling. It may be a teenager who's trying to find his way or her way. It may be somebody um, at school who's stressed out because finals are coming. Um, but my, my prayer for you is that at the end of this service, you would just pray that there be one person that God lead you to so that you can open up your heart and share your experience with God with them. Does that sound good? All right. Everybody's got their applications. So now let me preach this sermon and then we're going to baptize, okay? Um, I'm going to start with a question. How many of you have had these experiences in life where you actually know what you're supposed to do? There are no impediments in your way. There's nothing stopping you from doing what you need to do, and you actually know what it is. But you just need somebody to say, go for it. Do it. Step across the line. Make it happen. Anybody ever had that experience? Um, there's a, there's a movie. I'm going to dig into the movie archives for just a minute, all right? Anybody ever seen Rocky Two? Anybody ever seen that? Uh, there he is. There he is. So uh, this is, I'm going back, and I'm, I'm digging back into the archives here. But there's such a great moment in this movie where Rocky Balboa fights Apollo Creed, and he just gets beat up. And he wants to come back and fight again. And his trainer, Mickey, wants him to come back and fight again. But his wife, Adrian. She doesn't want him to come back and fight right now. You know, they got a new baby. Look at this baby. They got a new baby. Everything is like their life is kind of going down this path. And so there's this scene where Rocky is sitting in this hospital room, and he's talking to Adrian, and he says, Babe, I can't do Rocky. I I would try to do him. But I said, Babe, listen, if you don't want me to mess with Apollo Creed no more, you know, we can find some other way. We could do something else. You know, it's okay. In other words, he's saying, Look, I want to fight and my trainer Mickey back here he wants me to fight and I, but you might not want me to fight so if you don't want me to fight I won't fight and in this scene Adrian says Rocky come here Rocky leans over and she says there's one thing I want you to do for me he says okay what's that and she says win he said what'd you say <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> she said, when? In other words, she says, there's nothing in your way. What's in your way? There's nothing in your way. And old Mickey, the, the trainer, you know, he's got the, the, the hearing aid back there, you know, and he's a crusty old trainer. And he's standing in the back. In fact, you can see his shadow right there in the middle. See, he's right there. And he's like, What are we waiting for? You know, and then the next scene, Rocky is out doing one-arm push-ups and the skyline of Philadelphia with the sun, you know, and he goes and fights Apollo Creed. He needed somebody to say, go for it. Do it. There's nothing in your way. There's nothing stopping you. Take the step that you need to take. There are some of us here today that need to hear that in our lives. We know what we need to do. We're ready to take the next step. There's nothing impeding us. There's nothing stopping us. We just need to hear God say, do it. Take the step. What is in your way? And in this series, this Holy Spirit series that we're in right now, uh, this sermon is is uh, is about one of these next step moments. You can put that next slide up, Michelle. It's about one of these moments where the question is, what's in the way? What's in the way? Now, this story that I'm going to preach about is one of my favorite stories in the scripture. Um, uh, it's, it's just one of the most fascinating stories in the book of Acts. And let me give you a quick context for it. This story is set in Israel. And it's set shortly after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, And what happened is, right when the church launched, we preached about this a couple weeks ago, um, 3,000 people became followers of Jesus the very first day. Uh, A couple weeks after that, 2,000 more people joined the church. So this movement is just growing like wildfire. It's spreading everywhere. And what happened was that the powers that be, the structures that be in Jerusalem at that time, did not like the fact that this movement was spreading and growing. It was upsetting the power structure. And so they pushed back really, really hard. They started coming against those who were following Jesus. They imprisoned them. They tortured them. They killed them. Uh, they, They... They... you know, sent them out. They they sent them, you know, away from Jerusalem. And so there was this mass exodus out of Jerusalem of followers of Jesus. But the problem was the more they tried to stop them, the more the movement spread. Tertullian, the great uh, African theologian, said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so what he's saying by that is the more people tried to stop Uh, this movement from spreading, the more people became impassioned about Jesus and they would leave Jerusalem and they started spreading out all over the world and started saying, hey, I've had an encounter with God and Jesus came and this is the story of Jesus and they would tell the story and people would believe and and they would experience uh, a, a fresh power of God in their life. And so this was happening all over the world. And there was a guy named Philip who was one of the guys who were, you know, had been sent out of Jerusalem. And the thing about Philip, we don't know a ton about him, but what we do know is that he wasn't like a rock star preacher. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He didn't, He wasn't trending. He did not have Facebook likes. He was just a guy. He was a humble guy that worked in the church. In fact, his job in the church was that he worked at the food pantry at the early church. His job was to dole out food to people who didn't have food. He worked with poor people. He was a humble guy, and that was his job. If you were struggling, Philip's job, they would say, go to Philip. Go talk to Philip, and he's going to interact with you, and he's going to help um, help, you know, find you some food or find, you know, find you some resources, uh, to keep getting by. So that's who he was. But listen what the scripture says about Philip. Uh, it says that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the gospel. Two things that this sentence pulls up for us immediately. One thing is this, you don't have to be a professional preacher to proclaim the gospel in your life, in your world. You don't have to be a pro. In fact, I wanted to say, you don't have to be a pro to answer the call to go. Okay, you don't have to be a pro. But my wife wouldn't let me say that. She said it was too corny. But you got it. All right. Um, you don't have to have a master's of divinity to share the love of Jesus with somebody in your life. You don't have, you don't have, to, ha- you don't have to have your apologetics all dialed in. All you have to do is be willing to share the love of Jesus with somebody who is struggling or hurting. That's your invitation. And just explain what's going on in your life and the comfort and the peace that God is bringing in your life. And open the door to them and, 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 and share the, the gospel with somebody else. That's, what, that's the first thing I get out of this. The second thing is that you're not always going to find yourself in an environment that is immediately receptive to you if you're a follower of Jesus. Look look where he went. He went to Samaria. Samaria, the Samaritans and the Jews had been hating each other for a thousand years. They the scripture says that they just didn't they just didn't interact with each other. In fact, so entrenched was their hatred, their ethnic hatred against one another that if I if I'm a Jew and I drink out of a cup and then I wash that cup and I boil that cup and I you know, sanitize that cup, and then I hand that cup to a Samaritan, that Samaritan can't drink out of that cup because I drank out of it. That's how much animosity was there, and yet Philip, who's not a professional preacher, goes to Samaria, begins preaching the gospel, and because he turned the circumstances of his life over to God, God intervened in a way that brought about God's will in Philip's life, because look what happens in the next scripture. It says, When the crowds heard Philip, so Philip is out there preaching and teaching. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. And then this is what started happening. Impure spirits came out of many, it says. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in all of the city. So this this lay preacher, this non-professional preacher, goes into a place that is not a good environment, where people do not like him, he begins preaching, and things, like powerful things start happening. Things just start, you know, changing. Lives start changing. People's lives are being transformed. People are being healed. People are being restored. People are becoming believers. And if you're a a preacher, if you're doing that, and that's happening, you want to keep doing that, right? That's momentum. You're saying, gosh— Lord, this is right where I need to be. This We're succeeding here. Let's stay right here. And if this were you or me, and we were preaching, and this is what was happening all around you, you might be saying, like, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to, you want me to write a book? You know, you want me to start blogging about this? You want me to get on Fallon and, like, start, you know, pre- you should I host SNL? Like, we're, we're going now here, right? Philip said, God, what do you want me to do? Listen what the Holy Spirit said. Acts 8, it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip said, wait a sec, I'm in Samaria right now. This is hard soil, but I've been plowing and now I'm getting all of this fruit, all of this great stuff is happening and you want me to leave here and go to a desert road that leads to Gaza. And first of all, you're not even telling me what you want me to do there. You just want me to go to a desert, a dry, old, dusty desert road. Can I show you a picture of the desert that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza? That's it. it ain't, there's not a lot happening on this road. And Philip is saying, God, you want me to go where, from where I am now to here. And then I'm supposed to hang out here and see what you want me to do. I tried to think of, like, what's an analogy in today's world that, that would relate to this. And let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever heard of Beaver, Beaver, Oklahoma? Anybody ever heard of Beaver, Oklahoma? No, nobody? One person? You're not from Beaver, Oklahoma, are you? Okay, good. I'm getting ready to make fun of Beaver, Oklahoma, so I just want to <laughs> invite you to go out in the lobby for the next two minutes. No. Um, there's a town in Oklahoma called Beaver, Oklahoma, and this town... The claim to fame for this town is that it hosts the largest cow chip throwing competition in the world. Does everybody know what a cow chip is? Everybody knows? Anybody not know? Okay, good. All right. Claude, could you explain to Debbie what a cow chip is? Um, okay, this is what the town is known for. These guys have these plaques, and they're proud of these plaques. And those plaques, looks like they have little cow chips on them. Uh, This guy is going for it right here. I mean, he's into it, right? This is what the town is known for. I am from St. Louis. I love St. Louis. I'm a St. Louis guy. I grew up in St. Louis. I like Emo's pizza. I like deep fried ravioli. When I see the arch, I I sigh a deep relief. You know, my kids think I own the arch. I've got them trained in that way. You know, I mean, I'm from here. I love it here. And if God said, hey, Brent, I want you to go to beaver oklahoma and preach the God. i want you to go launch cow chip family church (laughs) my response would be god you need to get that in writing i need to see that on a gold plaque with a host of but that's what is happening when god is telling philip leave what you're doing behind where you got all this traction all this momentum all this success and go to gaza to the desert here's the thing Some of you today are in circumstances and you don't know why God has you there. You don't know why God has you in a a place of desperation. Sometimes he puts you in a place of desperation in order to learn about dedication. It's not always that the Christian life, he doesn't say, pick up your pillow and follow me. He says, pick up your cross And follow me. And what that means is, sometimes you will find yourself in circumstances in your life that you don't understand why you are there, and God is using those circumstances to form you into the person that He wants you to be. It's 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 not always that we're in a state of comfort. It's not always that we just get to go wherever we want. Sometimes God leads you into a personal desert so that you can understand your spiritual destiny. Sometimes God leads you into these environments so that he can grow you and develop you. Uh, and, and here's the here's the point I want you to take away from this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit takes you out of your zone of comfort to expand your zone of influence. Sometimes he puts you through things so that you can grow and develop and learn and become stronger and become more attuned to him and focused on him. The Holy Spirit would often lead Jesus out into the wilderness In fact, there's one passage that said the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. I mean, sometimes the Holy Spirit, God leads us into circumstances that we might not fully understand in order to develop us and grow us and strengthen us. Some of you guys are holding back today from stepping into something that is uncomfortable or awkward or difficult and you don't want to do it and it might be a job-related thing or it might be a a school-related thing or it might be a relationship issue and God is saying, look, What's holding you back? What's in your way? I'm with you. I used to have a coach, a wrestling coach, and he would say, what are you saving it for, Rome? What are you saving it for? Go for it, right? God is saying to some of us today, take that step. Take that next step. All right, so Philip obeys God, goes to this desert road in Samaria. It says he started out, or leaves Samaria. So he started out, and on his way, on this road, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. So, he leaves Samaria. He's out on this desert road, and here comes this caravan of somewhere between twenty and fifty uh, uh, people in this long caravan with chariots, and the the the, the uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve of Ethiopia is riding in this chariot. This is a powerful man. This is an influential man. This is this is the most One of the most powerful men in all of Ethiopia, riding from Jerusalem um, uh, back to um, Ethiopia. Uh, In fact, next verse, it says this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. Now, let me point out one quick little detail that may not be obvious to you. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, he goes 2000 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. There's one problem. Deuteronomy 23, the Old Testament, prohibited eunuchs from going into the temple. So you traveled 2,000 miles, dusty, weary, tired, hot, long journey, gets to Jerusalem to worship the living God, and they say, I'm sorry, but entry is barred to you. You're not allowed to. You can go out in the outer court. And why don't you purchase a copy of the Scroll of Isaiah and just go read the book? Because I'm not, we can't, we can't have you have the experience. You can just go read the book, right? So this, in this moment, he's he is he had been prevented from coming and worshiping the living God, and now he's on his way back to Ethiopia. And to his credit, he didn't say, "All right, well, forget this God." He said, "All right, I will read this book." And he gets a scroll from one of the prophets, Isaiah. And this a prophet Isaiah had written 800 years earlier. And he's reading this scroll in this chariot. And uh, this next scripture says that the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip is out in the desert. This guy is reading the scroll. Go and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Now you say, why did he hear him? These old scrolls didn't have punctuation, okay? They were written in Hebrew, and so you would read them aloud to make sure you were understanding what you were reading. So Philip runs up to the to the uh, chariot, and he hears this Ethiopian eunuch reading this passage out loud, and he calls up to him. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Okay, this is... <laughs> I love Philip because you know he's there's only one there's only one guy out there right now and, and he, that he's going to evangelize to that guy. He says, "Do you understand what you're reading, Philip?" And, and, and the man said, "How can I, unless somebody explains it to me?" So the man invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now Philip is saying, "All right, you you kicked me out of Samaria, Spirit, and you sent me down to this dry, dusty road." And suddenly, here comes this guy in a chariot reading Isaiah, and he wants me to explain it to, me, to him. So Philip climbs up in the chariot, and this is the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading. I love this. He's reading a passage from Isaiah, and here's the passage. It says, he was led like a, sh- a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, So he did not open his mouth. That's the passage from Isaiah that the man is reading. And then the eunuch asked Philip, he said, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Who is that passage referring to? Who was led like a sheep to the slaughter? Who is he talking about? Philip says, well, funny, funny you should ask. Because the guy that I worship is the guy that's being referenced in that passage. The guy that changed my life is the guy that was written about 800 years earlier and who was led like a sheep to the slaughter for you and for me. I had something very touching happen to me this week. I went into my my son's room. He's seven years old. Um, don't tell him that I told this story. Um, I, I, and I, he had this little book on his, this, like, little journal, this little um, notebook on his desk. And I picked it up. He's seven years old. And this is, the, this is what he wrote at the very top of this notebook. He said, my name is Jameson Eli Rome. I am seven years old. I was born on October twenty third, 2008. I live in St. Louis. So he's representing, like, his dad, okay. He said, I am a Christian. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead. I also believe that he is alive right now and that he is in my heart and everywhere else. And I'm like, wow. Two things. One is, our children's ministry rocks. (laughs) Because, (laughs) I mean, that's that's like a confession of faith. I mean, the guy, like, he nailed it. That's the gospel. Um... And I look, I know that he's seven, so he's picking up a lot of what we, you know, he's, I'm, the, I'm the pastor. He's got to say that, right? I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's just picking up what he's, but God is moving in his life. I believe that. I believe God is, I mean, why, he could have written a lot of different things. God is moving in his life somewhere, and, and here's what I want to say. That didn't happen simply by accident. God moved in somebody's life years and years and years and years and decades ago and said, hey, what's in the way of you following Jesus? My, my mom is here today. And in probably 19, around 1938, 1940, her father, who was born in Indian Territory, uh, his family came across on the uh, Trail of Tears across the country, um, grew up, wasn't a believer, out he drove cattle. That was his job. And he was driving cattle, and God began to work in his heart. Somebody actually shared the gospel with his family. And while he's out on this cattle drive in a dusty desert road, God begins to move in his heart and basically asks the question, what's in your way? Follow me. I want you to take that next step. He became uh, a follower of Jesus, became a pastor, and the trajectory of his life was changed forever. My father's father, 1940, he he grew up right out here around St. Louis, he was a he was a tough guy. He was a hard drinking guy, a hard living guy. You know, a fighter. He just and God moved in his life when he was a young man and began to draw him to himself, to Jesus. And the question was, what's in your way? What's stopping you? He became a follower of Jesus. That changed the trajectory of his life. Same thing happened to my father. Same thing happened to me. And same thing is happening to my son and you're here today because somebody said yes. When the call came, somebody said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to cross the line. Do I have all of the answers figured out? No, I don't. But guess what? You get to ask the questions even after you become a Christian. You, you know, you, when you enter into college, you don't say, look, I don't know what my career is going to be, so I'm just not going to go to college. You say I'm going to go to college and then I'm going to kind of navigate and figure out what my career is going to be When you become a follower of jesus jesus doesn't say hey, you need to have it all squared away And dialed in and then you can follow me. He says follow me right here Right now and i'm going to guide you down the path. I'm going to lead you down the path So here's what philip told the ethiopian He said the guy that you're reading about there in isaiah His name is jesus He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. You know how you were barred from entry into the temple? That's over now. You can enter into the holiest of holies by virtue of the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. You can enter into the holiest of holies. Your body can become the living temple of God. There's no male, no, no female, no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free. All are one in Christ Jesus. And you are invited to come into a, tr- a life that will transform the trajectory of your family, of your, of your community, for, of the country that you come from forever. If you will take that step and repent, offer your life over to God, be baptized and let God fill you with his spirit. That's what Philip said. Because the next line says this. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? What are we waiting for, Rocky? He said, what can stand in my way? I'm here, I, I believe, and I'm ready to go. And, of course, Philip said, well, you haven't taken the 17-week Bible course and baptism course that we offer, so that's going to prevent you, right? You haven't turned in your, your paper on the finer points of Calvinism versus Arminianism, so that's going to, no. None of that happened, right? You you believe there's water? Let's do this, Acts 838 says, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. What I love about this story is that these guys didn't let fears and insecurities and uh, doubts freeze them and paralyze them into indecision you still get to ask the questions. Some of you today, you're saying, look, if I, if I cross the line, I, I know because I wasn't a Christian for many years, and I would think about it, and I thought, now, if I become a Christian, um, does that mean I have to tune all my stations to Joy FM? I mean, do I, is that like one of the requirements, right? Um, do, do, I, do, I, do I have to, you know, join a particular political party? Do I have to unfriend my friends that don't, that aren't, do I, and God is saying, look, don't 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 let that get in the way. That's just clutter, man. Take the next step. Follow me. Whenever Jesus said follow me, next scene, he's at your house. He's at your house. He's going to get involved in your life. He's going to meet you where you are and he's going to walk you closer and closer to God. So, today there are some of you here that have not taken that step. You have not committed to Christ. You've not turned your heart over to him. You've not said, I believe, and today I want to invite you to believe. I want to invite you to say, all right, I'm taking that step. Christ, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and put me on a trajectory that will lead me down the path that you want me to go, that will let me become the man or the woman that you want me to be. I want to invite you to turn your life over to Jesus today. Today, if you are A believer, you've committed your life to Jesus, but you haven't taken the step of baptism since that time. What is in your way? What is in your way? And for those of you who have done all of that, I want to challenge you. You're Philip. You're Philip. God has given you the power by the Holy Spirit to share the love of Christ with those who need him. And then let him work out the the circumstances. Let him work out the details. You know, we this week, just yesterday, actually, a few of the guys from my life group, um, we decided to, they had this cleanup day on the loop, so some of us guys decided we're going to go out there, and and we're just going to go out on the loop, and we're going to go, you know, help pick up, you know, trash and stuff off the loop. Um, Now, yeah, that's us. We're, now, of course, last night, they, did you guys notice they put all the trash back on the loop? Was that, that's not cool, but, but, you know, it, it, may not, it, it may not always be, like, the, the easiest circumstances, the most receptive sort of environment. I don't know if you notice this, but the loop is not like a hotbed for Christian activism. We did not find, like, oh, my gosh, all these people dropped their NIV Bibles everywhere. It was, right? We picked up some stuff, but it wasn't that, right? You know, God is calling some of you just to say, hey, But you know what? Here's what happened. We got out there. We're picking up trash. We're meeting people on the street. We're inviting them to church. We're, you know, we're sharing the love of Christ. And, you know, you know, we turn it over to God and say, God, let, let, you know, you do what you're going to do. We weren't out there with a sandwich board that said turn or burn. We didn't have a megaphone, you know, that said you got to, you know, we, we just were out there trying to exhibit some of the love of Christ. That's what I want to challenge you guys to do. (laughs) You like that, turn or burn? You like that? (laughs) Maybe we should get a sandwich board. Uh, C.S. Lewis has this, and I'm going to close. we got to baptize some folks. Uh, C.S. Lewis has this, this little analogy, and he says, you know, be- becoming a follower of Jesus is like, it's like, think of it like a house. You're on the outside of the house. You can check the shutters. You can check the doors. You can see the roof. You can, like, look at the foundation. There's a lot that you can check out right? But you're not going to experience really what it means to be a Christian unless you walk into the house. At some point, you got to, when the door is open, walk in the door. Just step in and let God lead you and guide you and take you from there. What is in your way? Let's all stand up together. Can we do that? Let's stand together. Musicians, can you guys come up here? Here's what we're going to do. We're, we're good. We're good on time. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And if you are here today and you think, all right, I'm, I'm ready to make that decision, then I'm going to invite you to come forward. After our prayer, I'm going to invite our our baptism team and our elders to come forward. And if you're here today and you say, look, I, I didn't plan to come and get baptized today, but there's nothing in my way. There, you know, There's everything I need here i 'm going to get baptized, then this is your day. This thing is hard to roll out, folks. We don't roll this thing out every week, so you better come on. no um, but I'm going to invite you to come forward as soon as we pray um, and then we're going to and, and we're going to give you guys time to change and get ready um, and then in just a few minutes, we're going to baptize some folks. all right so let's pray and if this is if you're here today and you just haven't made that step and you know that God is leading you to make that step. Don't let anything stop you, okay? Take the step. Let's pray. Father, right now we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the power uh, of the Holy Spirit to transform lives. We ask God that you just speak into our hearts today. For those that are sort of on the edge and sort of sitting on the sidelines and not sure they're ready. Maybe they've been burned by church. Maybe they've been hurt before. Maybe they've, you know, seen some Christians do stuff that they, you know, uh, you know, uh, are not proud of, uh, God. I just pray that you would clear the the dross and clear the clear the garbage out of the way, and just let them see the bright light of your love, that they might step forward and commit their life to you today. Father, we pray for those who are uh, who are believers who have not taken the step of baptism, that they would make that public declaration, that proclamation of faith today. Uh, and God, we pray for everyone, all of us, those of us who are believers, that we would, we would open up our hearts and let you speak into our hearts and show us those folks in our lives who need to experience the love of Christ like we've experienced. Father, we praise you for this. We praise you that you use uh, uh, unconventional circumstances to bring about your will. And here we are in this theater today with a baptismal tank, and, and, and we, just, we just thank you for this circumstance, God, right here on the loop. Father, we just praise you for this, and we just ask that your spirit be here with us today and lead and guide every single person to take the step that it, you are calling them to take. Father, we pray this to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.